0: Today's passage is from Luke 15:11 to 32. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squander his wealth and while living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed a fattened calf for him. Uh, we're really, really excited today to welcome uh, Pastor Bill to speak uh, to us all. Uh, Pastor Bill is a father, uh, he's a husband, and he has two kids, but I think uh, through his calling he probably calls many, many others, uh, sons and daughters as well. Um Pastor Bill is a friend of Lord's Love Church and has spoken on numerous occasions, whether at retreats or here on Sunday, um, so I'm sure we'll hear a lot of wonderful stories, and, and we're so glad to have you share your wisdom uh, and have God speak through you today. So, uh, Lord's Love Church, let's welcome uh, Pastor Bill up to the stage.
1: My On? oh yeah, okay. Good morning, and it it's good to be here. It really is. I've been looking forward to coming. I was uh, in the middle of decluttering, decluttering my home. That's what we're doing right now. Auntie Jean and I are uh, anticipating a. Uh, a transition. And that, in other words, means that we are possibly going to be moving very shortly. But I've learned one thing about moving. Don't do it often. Because we haven't moved for 30 years. That means there are 30 years of stuff, stuffed all around the house. Stuff that we know we should have gotten rid of 30 years ago. Stuff we have found that now occupies space for the last 30 years, we've never seen before. And we also found that our kids have grown up for 30 years. So we're not getting rid of them yet. (laughs) But anyways, um, so there's lots of stuff going on in our home right now in terms of transition. Uh, I think what's happening for us is that my son decided that, he said, you know, Dad, I have a good idea. I said, oh, good, (laughs) another good idea from my son. So he said, Dad, my wife and I think you should move in with us. And I'm going, well, what makes you say that? And he said, well, we want to take care of you. We want, to, we want to love you. And, you know, if you get sick and all that stuff, hey, we're there for you. And I said, no, 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 no. That's not why you want us to move in with you. You need free corporate babysitting and a SWAT team. Right? So, so Jimmy, you haven't seen nothing yet. And any of you that are young dads, I'll be praying for you. And if you need some help or advice regarding this whole thing, don't call me. Okay? I ain't answering the phone. Because we've done it, we're doing it, and it's a long journey. But exciting because we have a granddaughter that's two and a half years old. And the little monster, I mean the little granddaughter, uh, her name is Amani, and a grandson is also on the way. So, I'm glad that Auntie Jean will be doing a lot of work over there because uh, I'll be working at the mission, I think, so that's good. So we're excited about that transition, and we are just trusting the Lord. Pray for us as we are trying to find our way. We have no place to move to yet because we've got plenty of house to move out, so we're working on that transition. The the, the second transition that's all happening at the same time, which is kind of bizarre, excuse me, is... Uh, I'm leaving behind 25 years of leadership in New Westminster at Union Gospel Mission. Uh, This will take place July 1st. Um, So while you're picnicking away at that park, uh, you might think of us as uh, I will be also changing. Now, what am I going to be doing? Well, they didn't kick me out. They actually gave me a new job, or another job that I've been doing anyways off the side of my desk. And that job was going to be full-time in church relations. So... So I told Pastor Doug, he hasn't got rid of me by any means. going to be hanging around even more, maybe, right? So uh, uh, so I'm looking forward to this new journey that uh, God's giving me. And uh, <clears throat> my new title will be, I don't know why my voice is going kind of wonky today. What's going on here? I was singing fine, but anyways. Allergies, I think. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, my new title will be Senior Advisor for Church Relations at Union Gospel Mission. So I'm looking forward to traveling. I'm looking forward to moving around, uh, singing with pastors and... Seeing if I can support the church, local church, in any way, shape, or form that I can. So, anyways, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the baptized. Anyways, I'm glad to be here and to be with you. So many dear friends, faces I recognize. This is kind of strange. It doesn't happen. Anyways. Um, maybe God's trying to tell me, oh, the sermon's over. <laughs> you can go home, have a great day. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> but uh, I, I, um, I think it's just great that um, it's just good to see all of uh, many familiar faces. And this church has been a wonderful blessing to, uh, uh, to me and my family. And also in terms of the ministry that we've been uh, doing at Union Gospel Mission for 25 years. Um, Pastor Doug really organized this well, didn't he? He's not here, is he? No, of course not. He knew I was coming, so he decided he'd go. He'd leave town. So uh, um, uh, that's a pretty good strategic move on his part. Well, enough of all that stuff. Uh, I'm kind of feeling kind of frisky up here. I don't know why, but anyways, um, I just wanted just to um, wish all the dads a happy Father's Day. And uh, again, we'll be praying for your journey as dads, as we will be praying for the moms. Uh, It's quite a day and age that we raise our children in. These days, Now, what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning, if I may, is the story that you have heard, you've probably heard preached often, and maybe if you're a teacher, you've taught it. And it's the story of the uh, prodigal son. The theme of my uh, sermon this morning is basically called the far country. So what I I love about this text, which isn't always true of other passages of Scripture, is that... There's something in it for everybody. There's something in it for everybody. So what I want to do is hopefully can talk to you a little bit about the main characters in this particular passage. There are uh, two people that are sons. There's a younger boy. There's an older boy. There's also a crowd of people that are involved in a celebration at the end of this chapter. There's also a father. And... He kind of represents God the Father. Uh, We have no mention of a mom, so we're not really sure if there was a mom. Uh, Nothing tells us that or or confirms that. In any case, I think what normally we do when we hear uh, parables, we hear stories, there's usually uh, something for everybody. Someone can relate to something in in the text. So let me begin right away. By just sharing with you about one of the characters, the younger son. Now, the younger son decided that he needed to get away. So he kind of explodes and he decides to rebel, just like Jimmy is kind of worrying about maybe his daughter. I've got two kids, they're 38 and 35, and they're not necessarily uh, walking the way that I would hope that they would walk with the Lord. But I haven't given up on them because we know one thing, that everyone makes their choices, but we can still pray. We can still love them. They can still come home. But the younger boy, he's got this need. So he decides that he knows what he wants. I always love talking to young people because they always tell me what they know, what they need, and what they want. And his desires led this young boy to gamble and all in getting what he was trying to seek. He was gambling. He thought the casino would do it for him. He was also looking for self-seeking satisfaction. He was hungry and ambitious, and he wanted just to be one of the people, one of the gang. And the world has lots of room for you to be one of the gang. There's so much that lures people into a world of empty promises. And in my 25 years at Union Gospel Mission, I have met, I've met people, and when we talk about people that are in need, like people in poverty, homeless, in addiction, they're not people that are necessarily bad. They're not people that weren't at one point in a pretty good position. Nobody wakes up in the morning and is born into homelessness. Nobody is. You don't get born and say, oh, I want to be homeless. That doesn't happen. That's, that's, uh, if you believe that, that's, that's, that's not true. But what happens is, when you begin to live, you make decisions. You're given tons of opportunities to make decisions that you will make all through your life. So he's all excited. If I have this money, his inheritance, I can do lots of things. So he decides that, you know... I'm entitled to my inheritance. I can have it right now. I don't want to wait till I'm 60 or 70 to get it. I want it now. So he goes to his dad and says, Dad, can I have my inheritance? Now, his father is not irresponsible. His father says, well, you know, maybe you should think about it. Maybe you should put it in the bank. Maybe you should look at other things that you should do with your life. And he says, no, Dad, I get it thank you, but really it's my money. So I want it now. So cop cop it up. Now, legally, dad can't stop him. Even in those days, he was entitled to it. But the father, respecting the wishes of his son, says, okay, you go ahead. So he gets his money. Now let's take a look at the second character. This is the, the older son. Now, you might think, sometimes I've heard people say, yeah, now that's the example of a son that I want because he doesn't want his money early. He doesn't want to spend it and not think about what the future is. He stays home. He's, he's taking care of business. He loves to be with his dad and his home. Well, he did like it at home. You know why? Because it's comfortable. It's convenient. He doesn't have to worry about uh, housing and whatnot. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he loved his father. Like the rest of us, he wanted to have his own way as well. He thought he was smart enough to be able to manipulate his dad and get what he wanted if he was a good boy. Not everybody who reads this... The pastor sees this boy like this. There are two boys working through life. There are two boys struggling with what they think is valuable. There are two boys that are just like any of us. We want our own way. We do. Whether you want to admit it or not, we always want what we want. He loved himself too much to be interested in pleasing anybody but himself. He had lots of pride, which was born out of self-conceit, and that was his guiding star. So we've got two boys. Now, what we have here is a picture of two sons. Their hearts, they are symbolic of hearts of men and women who find themselves in a place called, I call the far country. And I'm gonna ask you, or you're gonna have to ask yourself at the end of this message, is this your story? Are you in the far country? Now, the, what is the far country? Well, the far country is first not measured by how far some place is from another place. It's not measured by distance. What is the far country? The far country is anywhere a man or a woman is away from God. That's the far country. A world without God or, one, or a world that ignores God is called far country. So guess what? We're all living in the midst of the far country. Wherever you are not in fellowship with God, your life is a far country. Both of these sons' main goal in life was to please themselves. Their purpose for living was to live in the far country. If I was to ask you today, what is your purpose for living? Why do you exist what would you tell me? Now, you don't have to tell me now, but when I do premarital counseling for young couples who want to get married, I always ask them, who created marriage? Why do you exist? What's your purpose in life? And it's kind of funny because those three questions make the first session of our counseling quite long because half of us all staring at each other, kind of figuring, oh, that's good questions. I wonder what... What we should say you know and of course they come up with the word God somewhere because it's quite easy right oh God God yeah God we don't know why but it's an easy answer but I've always asked the question of people that I work with Did God are you created to make a living or are you created to make a life important question here are the choices that these, one of the sons, the younger son, had to confront. In verse 12 of the text that was read for us, it says in verse 12, he said, Father, I love this, Father, give me. Give me. You know, not, please, Dad, could I maybe talk to you about receiving this? Give me. And we always were taught when kids this little saying, right? Give me, give me, never gets. Remember to hear that every so often. Give me, give me, never gets. It's just, the, it's just the tone, the, it's the attitude, right? Give me. Our world is all about give me. And we're told that he gathered all that he had, whatever that was, and he traveled to a distant country. Verse thirteen. In verse thirteen, we also read that he squandered the and foolish living. I know people that struggle with money every day. I'm, I'm sometimes one of those people too. I wrestle with money. So the question is, does money manage you or do you manage the money? God has called us to be good stewards and good managers of everything that we get. But he wasted his Whatever he had, he wasted it in his lifestyle that he found in a place in the far country. He spent everything, verse 14 tells us. And in verse 14, while he spent everything, then also a severe famine struck. That wasn't by accident in this parable. There was, sometimes that famine isn't about storms and bad weather. It's about the fact that, guess what? (laughs) You haven't got anything in your pocket anymore because you mismanaged your spending. He had nothing in verse 14, I think we're told. And then he decided, I got to get a job. Verse 15, I got to go and get a job. Ooh, ooh, wow, you know. We live in a world today where young people are saying, I don't want to work. I don't get that. I don't know where they're going to buy their blue jeans and their, their, their tablets and their, their earphones. They think that it's going to be given to them like by, by uh, Amazon? I don't think so, you know. But here we are, you know. He, he's got nothing. I got to get a job. So he's got a real top-class job. He finds a job, they're hiring, someone needs to feed these pigs. So he says, oh, okay. So he goes, and he gets a wonderful minimum wage. I don't know what that was then, but he gets a job feeding the pigs. But what happens when you don't make enough money, and you don't even do well in your job, you're going to start to feel that, hmm, it's just not enough. He longed to eat his fill from what pigs were eating. He tried to make himself feel better that this would take care of business. But guess what? He didn't have any friends anymore. No one would give him any help. In verse 16. Well, he had friends when he had money, but he no longer has friends because he has no money. Now, let's just leave him for a second. Let's look at the older boy. What's happening for, while that's going on, what's happening for the older boy? His whole attitude shows that his years of obedience to his father had, given, had been years of grim duty and not of loving service. When we read verse 29, he was doing his thing, but he wasn't liking it. He was resentful every day, same old, same old. Wasn't, he was not grateful, he was grating. He wasn't seeing the big picture. He wasn't thankful. Whenever you talk, To people that are angry and upset, one thing you'll know about them. They're not thankful. 200 people come to UGM every day. You know which people are the ones that appreciate the free meal that they get as long as they need it. No questions asked, no conditions. It's there because of God's goodness and God's people supporting UGM so we can provide these meals twice a day. Then you know the people that aren't so grateful. It's always the demand, give me, right? I'm entitled to. And after they take their free meal, it's still not good enough. It's never good enough. Give me. So the whole attitude of this older son was, he didn't have any sympathy for his friend who's also in that building. He doesn't have sympathy for the fact that, oh, maybe my Parents can't get the support I can give them because I have nothing to give them. They don't have any sort of understanding about the others. His reference, even to this old brother, his reference to his brother is, I love this, your son. When he's talking to his dad, your son. He's not my brother, it's your son. He had a really nasty mind. No mention of, no mention of prostitutes until he brings it up in verse 30. He had the potential of being gentle, manipulative. You never gave me. He was 30. You've never treated me. Why in the world are you putting together a party for that, your son? Right? Even though he's not away physically, he's also in the far country. He's home in a house, but he's in the far country. The other boy is away from home and he is trying to figure himself out. He's in the far country. So here's the challenge. You can sit in the church building like you are today. You could be in the far country because it's not about location, location, location of where you are physically. It's about the location of your heart. And I, believe you me, I've gone back and forth like that quite easily over the years and still do, by the way. The second thing I want to just encourage you is to see is this. The, the, the far country, first, is not measured by distance, but the far country has many also, has many roads. Now let's look at the nature of the two roads, the different paths with the same challenges. Here's the path of the younger son, verse 12 to 13. Here's the road that clearly shows the younger son's actions. He is physically not at home, but, and he's in the far country. He's not a worker, but a waster. He's not lifting up. He's not a person that lifts people up. He is dragging down. He's not creating. He's destroying. So you can tell by what the choices people make, what they're doing to themselves. This young man's journey was about pleasing himself with no concern for how it would affect other people. Pleasing self is the very essence of sin, that which separates us from God. Pleasing self is also expensive to which many have paid a terrible price. If this is the God of my choice, then it will hurt me and others. No person ever sinned without hurting others. It cost him the fellowship of his father and all the joys of his home. We're told that in verse 17. It cost him his freedom. What a tragic irony, folks. For It was his freedom that he went out to pursue when he said, give me. He, was, he thought he was going to get freedom when he left home. And then when he realized, he came to his senses, this is what verse 17 says, when I, I finally woke up and saw the light, you might say, his heart was broken because he knows that if he's going to get any sort of support, he needs to go home. God is our Father, Jesus to die for us. He never asked us for our opinion, did he? He sent Jesus. When we were in the far country. We knew that there was only one place to return to. And we get that tremendous provision every day. But when we go back to him, we have to be understanding, just like this young boy. The young boy said, I'm not worthy. I love the way this young kid gets it. I'm not worthy to be called a son, but I want, I, I got to go home. That's where the meals are. That's where the, the, the people are. That's where the community is. And I, if I can just work there, if I can just be an employee, man, I've got it. I got bed and breakfast, three meals a day, people to talk to. I don't got to worry. And I don't even get paid. I do, get, I get paid too. So, all these things are just like when we go back to the Father. We, we go back to community. We have people. We have God. We get paid, but we don't get it in a check. We get the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace. No matter what we do and don't do, we get those things because of God's love, because who the Father is. And I love that, that story that was shared for us by Jocelyn where he talked about this man out of, who came out of nowhere. That's the way Jesus came to this world. He came out of nowhere and provided what was needed. And maybe that man didn't need the money returned. There's plenty of angels out there too that got good pockets too. That will help. You never know. And that's okay. You don't need to know. Just be grateful, right? Be thankful. It costs him by doing a mean and sordid task the humiliation of feeding pigs, living like everybody else it cost him everything he spent all that he had when a person leaves for the far country when his heart is not connected to God he mismanages the very gift of life that God has given him I'm 67 years old heading to 77 by the sounds of it but I have had to review my life and look at, my word, I actually did something like that, said something like that, and now, after raising two kids, now I've got these things called grandchildren coming. My granddaughter is too smart for her own good. Like, like she'll say, Grandpa, are you okay? And I won't say anything. Grandpa, are you okay? And I'm going, I still stare at her and I said, Grandpa, are you okay? And I go, okay, I'm okay. Oh, 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 okay. It's, it's intriguing. This little girl is assimilating. Then she says, do you know what an excavator is? And I'm going, sick. I don't necessarily know what an excavator is. Little children teach you a lot about what comes out of the mouth of babes. And they can hold you accountable. She said to me the other day, she says, Grandpa, I know you like Disneyland. Uh-huh. You take me to Disneyland? I said, uh ask grandma. No, Grandpa, I'm asking you. I said, why? Because grandma told me to. (laughs) Now, you think they're dumb? Do you think God didn't put a brain in that little kid's head? This little girl is trying to figure out now who's the richest of the two grandparents, which is the wiser. (laughs) Now, let's just quickly look at the path of the elder son. He is in the place. Like, he's got it. He's in the field. He's working. You know, he's got a job. You know, he's the the son of the owner, the father, you know. He's not a waster. He's a worker. He's performing. You know, performance is good. He's industrious. He's thrifty. He despises people that are lazy. His conduct brought not scandal to his father's house, you know. He didn't gamble. No, no, no. He's the, he's the ideal son or daughter. But despite his ability to keep all of his disciplines in place, his motive for doing them was based on looking good, selfish conceit, which deprived him of understanding and being compassionate. When you're all about you, right? When you're all about you, you don't care about anybody else. You don't have compassion to someone that's not kicking it in, you know? You, you You don't care about the person that may seem lazy, no motive. There's a lot of people out there that have no motivation to live. That's why they look to the government to shell out a few dollars, not realizing it's a loan, <laughs> you know. But then they're told later on, you got to pay it back. What? What do you mean we got to pay it back? That was, that's what's happening with that happened with the COVID fund, right? That COVID fund. They, they, everyone that got money thought they, it was a freebie. It was no freebie. It was a government loan that you're going to have to pay it back at some point. But there's this kid. He is the older boy. But look at the way he, he reacts when there's a party happening. And that party's not for him, by the way. It's for this little ding-dong brother, your son. That's coming back and we're going to what for the goober? We're going to have a party for that little twerp. You got to Uh huh? Dad. You yeah. know. So what does he do? He gets angry. Verse 28, he became angry. He also would also were told in verse 28, I'm not going to that stupid party. So his father, being the father he was in verse 29, he comes out and says, please come and join the party. This is about your brother coming home. We're not going to point fingers. We're not going to make him feel like crap. We're not going to make him feel guilty. We're just going to tell him, welcome home. We missed you. He tells his father, "Hey, uh, all right, pops. I, I've been slaving. I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat. You never gave me anything to celebrate with my friends. This son of yours," he says in verse thirty, "is not my brother. He has he has devoured all that you gave him with prostitutes." It says in verse thirty-one. But in essence. That was his money to use. So he, has, he had to take ownership for his own stuff. Just because someone gives you something, if they do give you something, you are now the manager. You now own that. You are responsible. Ownership is something that people today have an awful time with, especially if they get their hands in the cookie jar cut or they're forced to accept something or admit something. They don't want to. They'd rather tell you whose fault it is, right? It's called blame-shifting. His brother, younger brother had made his choices and he's guilty as you know what. The older son believed that he was righteous, that he should be praised, that he should be honored because he performed well. He could not understand his father's position. He is completely out of sympathy with both his father and his brother. So now there's two, another person that he's blaming, daddy too. He was so full of himself that he could not see anything beyond himself. Full of contempt, self-righteousness, his perspective was so distorted about his life. He had it good. He had it good. He should have been grateful, not grating. But he wasn't. You might even say that his situation was more hopeless even than the younger brother who's making his way back to say, Dad, I'm sorry. But this, little, this, this older brother, he hasn't figured it out because he feels entitled. We hear that term a lot, right? I deserve that. I, I'm doing exactly what you wanted but he is just as far in the far country as even his younger brother, if not worse. Both sons had rebelled against their father. The younger one from parental control. The older one from parental love. Each wanted the same thing, to have it his own way. Let me just give you a set of rules for life. Those of you that maybe haven't figured out what life is about, let me just give you some rules, okay? Sorry if this makes you upset, uh, but maybe it's a good thing, maybe. First thing. Life is not fair. and Get used to it and get over yourself. Second, the world doesn't care about your self-esteem. It will expect you to accomplish something before you feel good about yourself. Three, you will not make $60,000 a year right out of high school. You won't be a vice president with a car and a chauffeur until you earn both. Four, if you think your teacher is tough, wait till you get a boss. (laughs) Like me. (laughs) And uh, Flipping burgers is not beneath you. Your grandparents called burger flipping opportunity. Six, if you mess up, it's not your parents' fault, so don't whine about your mistakes. Learn from them. Seven, before you were born, your parents weren't as boring as they are now. They got that way from paying your bills Cleaning your clothes, listening to you talk about how cool you thought you were. So before you save the environment from the mismanagement of your parents' generation, try cleaning the closet in your room. Eight, life is not divided into semesters. You don't get summers off, and very few employers are interested in helping you find yourself. Do that on your own time. Nine, television is not real life. In real life, people actually have to leave the coffee shop and go back to work. Ten, I love this, this is the best one. Be nice to nerds. Chances are you'll end up working for one. Okay, take that for what you think. Two more things quickly and then we're done. The far country is a land of poverty and deception. A life without a true relationship with God is like living in a vacuum cleaner. You get sucked in. (laughs) There will always be a price to pay. Life can be like cotton candy. Ever had cotton candy? Have you ever eaten cotton candy? When you put it in your mouth, it seemed to disappear. It looked pretty. It promised a great deal, but it didn't deliver. Distractions are abundant in our far country. Or in our far country, media, entertainment, consumerism—all in a search for meaning and happiness by believing in empty promises. Cost these these the sons a real connection with the father. It also cost both of the sons freedom. The one who left his freedom became a slave. The one who stayed home was a slave to his own desires. It cost both of them everything. The younger son spent it all. The older never enjoyed what he had. And the last thing I want to share with you is that returning home from the far country, the younger brother did. The older brother, he never came back. Why? Because the younger son recognized his desperate condition. Secondly, he recognized his father's sufficiency. How many of my father's hired hands have more, food than, have more than enough food? Thirdly, he was determined to return. I'll get up and go to my father. So he got up and went to his father. He took ownership for his life. And then he was received by his father. The father saw him. The father loved him. The father ran to him. That's that was anti-cultural by that by by the way in those days and he was fully restored and it showed that the god that we worship is exactly like we loved him because he first loved us in john 3:16 the very first verse i ever memorized when i was a teenager for god so loved are you in the far country dear friends today where you end up in life will be dependent upon what answers to this question is going to be. Are you in the far country? I am so grateful. You know what I was doing when I was decluttering my my room, my closet the other day? I came up I, I usually get a whole bunch of baseball caps. And usually they're sports caps. You know, they got a hockey team on there or a, a baseball team crest. But I came across two hats that fell out of the closet, and actually bopped me on the head as I was cleaning my closet. And guess where they were from? Lord's Love Church, 2018. And I think I got one recently too, not that long ago, a year ago maybe. And I thought, oh, how fitting that I'm coming to that church uh, this Sunday, and I get bopped in the head with two baseball caps that you graciously gave to me. And you know what it did for me? It actually brought me back to earth. I thought, wow, I get to do this thing. Maybe I was in the far country somewhere. But I'm now home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us the way you do. No strings attached. Thank you, Father, that You are crazily in love with all of us. You love us, and even when we're in the far country, you remind us there's a way home. Thank you. May we never forget this in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Amen.
0: Speak.